The Miami Dolphins made the Vic Fangio signing at defensive coordinator official on Wednesday. So we are taking our deep dive into the Fangio system, what to expect, and how the scheme works here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good on Dolphins fans, Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. And today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Today on the show, Vic Fangio officially signing his contract to serve as the Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator starting in 2023. We spent some time over the last couple of weeks researching Vic Fangio, the scheme, the X's and O's, the core principles, how it works, how it's similar to what the Dolphins have done, how it's different than what the Dolphins have done. And today's kind of a deep dive wading into the waters on putting all of those pieces of the puzzle together. I'm very excited for today's show. I'm a big tape head in general. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, one of the co-founders of thedraftnetwork.com. And I uh, want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. So this is not the Vic, for the first Vic Fangio content that we have created here on the show, uh, but this is the first Vic Fangio cover six uh, schematic deep dive uh, that we have done because I've spent the last couple weeks looking over uh, a lot of resources, but three primary resources. Um, there was an article. I want to give these guys their flowers right off the top because their articles were very uh, helpful with supplementing the third resource that I had uh, over the last couple of weeks. Ted Wynn of The Athletic uh, wrote kind of a core principles article with the Vic Vangio defenses and how it's this, this big fat across the league and two high safeties and eliminating or eliminating explosive plays, so on and so forth. Uh, that article, excellent. Ted is excellent, does wonderful work in general. Big fan of Ted. Uh, Sean Syed uh, has a sub stack for Syed Schemes, and he wrote uh, The Book of Fangio. Uh, and, and that work that he did was also very helpful with supplementing uh, the, the core uh, resource that I had used, which was a 2017 Vic Fangio defensive playbook. So thumbing through the playbook, you're, you're reading how things work. They, they have general assignments. And um, having those other articles, which you know, sourced a number of, NFL coaches and, and defensive play callers uh, was very helpful to paint a complete picture on what this defense is, how it works, how the run defense and front mechanics complement the back end, what the core ideologies are. Um, and you do kind of have to have a basic knowledge of some, some more advanced zone pattern matching rules, coverage rules. And, and what is pattern matching in general? Well, you know, there's man coverage and zone coverage, right? Uh, but at some point in just about every zone coverage rep, it converts into you have to defend a, a receiver man-to-man. Now, it might be in an off-coverage situation where you have to trigger and attack the ball. It might have to be, well, I am in a half turn, 
and playing bail technique on the outside, and I have to convert against a go ball on the outside. But the large majority of the time, um, zone transitions to, to main coverage, and what zone match is, is depending upon the stem and release of certain receivers, you as a zone defense are reading those players, and you're reacting. And if three strong go shallow across the middle, a number of the interior zone defenders have to communicate and have a call to push to make sure that they are adjusting or converting appropriately so that you don't get free runners that cross the formation and end up on the other side of zone coverage where guys have vacated so on and so forth. So um, I, know, I know Rip Liz, uh, which is a Nick Saban, Bill Belichick uh, concept from the early 90s, uh, is something that's very prevalent as far as calls that that have to be made here. And we talk about the string, right? The, the safeties across the top and the apex defender. And Rip Liz is when you go middle of the field closed type coverages, um, you're going to roll a safety down into the passing strength. But when you do that, the player on the other side of the string, the weak side linebacker in this case, has to know, hey, if two weak goes vertical, I have to run with him because if the safety's rotating down, then the safety's pushing middle of the field, which means then the backside receiver, if he goes vertical and the safety that's in the middle of the field is rolling away from him, that's a big void. Um, so there, there's general principles like Rip Liz, uh, which is its zone pattern matching and how that string is affected uh, with movement. Uh, that, that need to be aware of. But what I really think the core principle of this defense is, so there's main coverage, there's zone coverage, they play one robber, they play quarter, quarter, half, they play cover three, they will zero you at times. Like that, All of those things exist. But at, at the end of the day, the core principle for this defense is this. They attack you from the top down. The safeties are the weapons in this defense. Because the safeties are the ones, they will take away your deepest concepts first. They will play you with light box counts. They're going to dare you to consistently run the ball. And we'll talk a little bit about how the mechanics work of defending the run and light box counts. But they're going to show you the same picture every time. And what I really like about that, and that's something that was mentioned um, by Sean Syed in, in his snap. Um, and I'll, I'll just read the, the full quote. The gener gener generic strategy of this defense is to force teams into playing, calling inefficient plays, and run plays are less efficient than pass plays in today's NFL, play coverage with four rushers when it is time to pass, be flexible with coverages that start out similar but end up different, and add enough depth to the proceedings to have the secondary read and react from advantageous positions and angles versus the most lethal of offensive weapons, the play-action pass. So they're going to play you from depth on the back end. You're not going to get explosive plays over the top. And if you have dynamic, instinctual safeties that can play on the back end and read and react to things in real time as they happen, you have a chance to make a lot of impact plays. And you think about the trends across the league offensively in the Shanahan systems, and we know there are wide zone systems, and they like to play action pass off of that. How does this defense impact that? Well, Think about play-action pass in general. What do you have to do to execute a play-action pass? You as the quarterback, you have to turn your back to the defense to sell 
run action. Extend the ball, extend your hand. They'll bootleg off of that quite frequently in these defenses. And that's, that, that's the caveat with this defense that I love the most. Because you get the same exact defensive shell on the vast majority of your plays. And they only change the picture on you, and they only declare their intentions after the snap. So if you're a quarterback and you're up under center and everything looks exactly the same, and then you have to turn your back to the defense to execute a run action, bootleg out of that, get your eyes back up the field, and now everything is dramatically different than what you saw snap to snap despite the pre-snap shell being exactly the same, that is where you can create a lot of miscommunications, especially if you are executing your zone pattern matching principles on the back end in accordingly to make sure that you don't have free runners that are busting free on routes that take longer time to develop and work across the defensive shell. That is what I love the most about this defense. Now, we need to talk about a couple of the, the core principles and concepts that they run. Uh, we need to talk about the run fit. We need to talk about other teams across the league that have run this defense and shortcomings that they have had to deal with. Uh, and then I also have a couple of teams on here that that could potentially exploit what is the number one weakness of this defense. So we got a lot to get into. That's We don't call it a deep dive for nothing. But before we get there on the show, would like to remind everybody about our friends over at Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little health through this year, which is why the life hack that is Built Bar, you got, you got to have. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Healthy actually is tasty. With Built Bar, they have 100% chocolate on all of their bars, but they're high in protein, high in fiber, but low in calories and low in sugar. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get yourself a box of Built Bar. Go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get yourself a four-bar box, or go to Sam's Club, thank me later, get the 13-bar box, and go ahead and dig in because healthy tastes great with Built. So I do have some notes here as far as, as working through the, the playbook and the play sheet. Cover five and cover six is what you will see. You will see a lot of quarters shell with safety rotation and the safety rotation there to quarter, quarter, half. Um, if they go away from the passing strength and the safety rolls down, then it's five. If they go to the passing strength and the safety rolls down, then it's six. You have zone matching principles that exist within that. Uh, that is the bread and butter of the defense, but they have a number of change-ups off of that. Uh, they have a match principle cover three, which you can get to from the same exact shell. Uh, it's called three sight, in which the backside linebacker and safety are reading the too strong or the too weak eligible receiver. And depending on where that player goes, is going to dictate how they pass off the backside of the formation. But you're still, and, and this is important, they, they still call these concepts with the idea of defending the pass. Usually when you play cover three, you are looking to put an extra hat down in the box to defend the run. That's not necessarily the objective 
when these Fangio defenses get into three uh, cover three situations, because at the end of the day, this is where you get into the run mechanics a little bit and how you defend the run. The safeties are the weapons. We've said this already. So defending the run with two high safeties means you now have two players with pursuit angles that are free to flow. And that's the big difference between if you go two high safeties and one high safety in run defense is if you go one high and you put that other player in the box, he has a gap. He's responsible for a gap. And that means if one gap busts on the front somewhere, what can happen is you have one less player on the back end to help clean it up. You have one less pursuit and rally defender that is free to just fly to the football. So the way that this was described by one of the coaches in the Ted Wynn article was uh, the objective is to play a gap and a half up front. So you're going to play with a light box count. And that's why you saw the Philadelphia Eagles draft Jordan Davis in the first round of this year's NFL draft, because he is a player who can absolutely play a gap and a half. He could play two gaps if you need him to, but he's still big and athletic and can get gap penetration. You have a gap on the front that it's your objective to push into and occupy. But if the back cuts off your block and comes back into the adjacent gap on the backside of where you are as a defensive lineman, you need to be able to have enough block deconstruction skills to fall back off of that and uncover and challenge the ball carrier. But your objective is to string runs out. That's not necessarily something you saw a lot of with the Dolphins over the last four years in this New England Patriots-style defense. There's not a lot of, we want, we want to set an edge. Everybody controls their gap. The linebackers are free to flow. We want to control the point of attack. This is not a wide nine Jim Schwartz defense where everybody is shooting up the field, attacking the mesh point, and just creating chaos. It's chaos with a purpose in this gap and a half style where you have to be able to fall back off of a block to challenge the ball carrier because you want to string it out horizontally where those safeties that are on the back end have the free-flowing ability, but you are also trying to string it out horizontally while simultaneously winning your gap and outgapping an offensive lineman who's trying to block you down so that you yourself have an opportunity to make a play. Defensive linemen in this system will have more of an opportunity to make a play. But that's where I like that I don't feel like in the front you're starting from ground zero because the Dolphins have had defensive linemen that over the last four years have been coached with an ideology of Stacking blocks, controlling blocks, deconstructing blocks, trying to make plays. This is a little bit more progressive, a little bit more attack-oriented, but you still have to have the block deconstruction ability. The way I would put it most is this, as far as comparing these past Dolphins defenses to what we should expect to see this year. The Dolphins defenses under Brian Flores and Josh Boyer were chess, not checkers in the second or in the, in the pass rush. They wanted to be very deliberate, manipulative, to create mismatches and find gaps that they could work through and manipulate how you were, they, you were going to try to protect against them to pressure the quarterback. And playing on the back end was quite simple. Well, we're going to play one man, and we need good athletes to be able to mirror and play man, man coverage. This defense is the inverse of that. The front, much of the time, is checkers, not chess. 
win your gap, leave your inside arm free enough where if the back cuts off the block, you can deconstruct the block, fall back, challenge the ball carrier. String it out horizontally so that your free-flowing defenders behind you, and there's two of them because you're two high safeties, versus just being one of those kinds of players, and you're one missed tackle and one blown gap assignment from an explosive 55-yard run like the one that Dalvin Cook popped on the, the Dolphins uh, in October. Now you have two players that are free and attacking from depth to flow and fill and fit the run. But they are chess, not checkers in the secondary because they are going to show you a simple presentation and every time it's going to be a little different with a little different spin and a little different tweak. And there's five different core principles that they could get out into out of two high safety shells that are automatically going to dictate. They're not going to give you anything in the pre-snap. And they're going to change the picture. And if you want to dare to turn your back to this defense to run play action passing defense, your quarterback better be a hell of a field processor. That's that's the biggest difference of all the differences. Now, um, they do have additional add-ons on top of this. We talked about you know, the quarter, quarter, half, cover five, cover six. We talked about uh, their, their cover three spin with the backside safety and, and linebacker keying um, two-week as far as his route release and, and how they're passing off and, and what zone uh, landmarks they, they would proceed to. Um, that's a good way for them to, against heavier personnel groupings, uh, get that safety to kind of be more prone to bump down into the box aggressively if you get a run fit from if the tight end's on the backside and he blocks down on the defensive end. You can get a little bit more aggressive with somebody flying down in the box with a key that way. Um, then you also have some of the ways that they defend, uh, premier players. That's really exciting. Uh, there's, there's two, uh, roll luggage is one and Zeus is the other that are, are most prevalent. Um, Zeus is a matchup specific mechanic where they will call out an, a receiver. So say you're playing, um, the Buffalo Bills and you want to get effectively a double team on Stephon Diggs. You'd go Zeus 14, uh, and that means you're going to play clouded cover two to Stephon Diggs and his side, and the backside of the defense is going to play quarter-quarter cover four coverage. Uh, so you have a corner that's pressed up in the contact window, and he's going to play cloud flat coverage, and he's going to press and collision Stephon Diggs and then sink underneath of that, being mindful of anything that leaks out in the flat. And then you're going to have that half-field player, regardless whether it's the passing strength or the passing weakness, who's going to play over the top of that as well. So you're going to have a sinking corner that's clouded up who will sink with Stephon Diggs being ready to trigger on anything down in front of his face and a safety up over the top of that, and you're going to play quarters on the back end. And you've got pattern-matching principles where the – the middle of the field defenders or linebackers are mindful. Hey, if there's stuff across the middle, we got to match it. We got to push. If you go heavier personnel against them, they'll go roll luggage, roll luggage, fourteen instead against the Bills. Uh, you get that same cover two cloud and safety up over the top, and then that quarter safety on the back end is kind of more keen to be jumping down into the box because heavier personnel groupings. You're going to be more inclined to, it's going to tell you they're probably going to run the ball. 
But that's how they'll attack a stud receiver is they'll press and cloud him with a safety up over the top, and then they'll play quarters on the back end on the, on the other side of the field against that. And they have all that kind of stuff baked into their lineups. So um, that's kind of the meat and potatoes of a lot of what has made this defense successful. Talk about the safeties being the weapons. They're the catalyst. They make a lot of stuff happen. You think about a little bit more aggressive in the front. They're going to play a lot of four-man rushes. They do have drop eight in this defense, which is four over top and four underneath. Uh, that obviously changes your, your spacing in the intermediate areas of the field uh, where, where you would rush three players. Uh, they will rush from uh, a penny, or they, they will play a penny front, uh, which is they'll go nose tackle, two down linemen. The Dolphins did some penny front this year. Uh, two outside linebackers outside of your two down linemen, which are probably four eyes and, and inside shade on your offensive tackles. And then one linebacker that's free to flow and scrape behind that. That is a little bit more of a high risk uh, run front, just because you are in a position where you're back into that one busted player in the front and you got a big gouging run that's going to be coming up through the middle of your defense. But they do play that. And that's another overlap that exists. Now, when I think about what the Dolphins have personnel-wise, there's a lot of exciting elements. I think this, this really reinforces if you're going to go get another safety and, and play with three safeties a lot of the time, uh, a player who could play on the back end but can also you know tackle well and fill from depth and run the alley, those are important things to have. There's another position on this group that, that I, I want to highlight as well. But before we get there on today's show, we are very excited about one of our new partners here, on the Locked On Network, it's the midway point of the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet for $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com backslash locked on. That is fanduel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So with the gap-and-a-half front run defense mechanics, you know, you're going to play light box counts. And I think between Krisha Wilkins, and Zach Sealer, and Emmanuel Agba, and Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Phillips, who I think has a chance to be like the Von Miller type player in this defense, but a bigger player than Von, that's obviously very exciting. Um, you're going to have instinctual corner play. You got a gamey guy in Cater Coe who can play man or play zone, can play outside, can play inside. You got Javon Holland. You're going to have Brandon Jones back, and he's going to be in a position to have success because of his instincts and his tackling and his run support and his ability to pressure. We've talked at length about the linebackers. And when you're going to play pattern match and you have to pass off and you might be uh, the weak side inside linebacker. And if they go trips away and three strong go shallow across your face, 
you're probably going to be in a position where you're going to have to pick up that crosser and run with him across the field. You need more athletic linebackers in this defense. You need more athletic linebackers, and you need linebackers that are experienced in playing in the scheme. Having done the deep dive, having read how it works, having seen a lot of the designs and the stresses that it's going to put on certain players in certain formations and how offenses will try to attack this, you can't have schlubs out there on passing downs. It can't be the world that you live in. I think the other thing that stands out to me um, is, is Raekwon Davis. I'm, I'm fascinated to know where he comes back in from a size and mass perspective. He was a less of a true nose tackle this year. The Dolphins will need less of a true nose tackle. But your A-gap defender still has to be able to win in penetration opportunities and fall back off of blocks. And leveraging for Raekwon as a big guy is an area that I'm fascinated to see. What they choose to do, if they choose to add a complementary player there, um, I just don't know from a leverage perspective how consistent Raekwon's going to be in trying to attack a gap and fall back off of it. It's in a little bit of a contrast in what he's done best during his tenure with the Dolphins. Have some additional notes here. Uh, and th this kind of gets into that, that specific acknowledgement. Uh, a couple other themes from teams that have run the Fangio-style defense. Uh, the Chargers hired Brandon Staley to run this after Staley helped <laughs> kick Sean McVay's butt, um, and then the Bears played the Rams, and then Staley got hired to go coach the defense as the defense coordinator for McVay, and then after one year left and became the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, those Chargers teams the last two years have really struggled against the run because they have no depth up front. They do not have talent on the defensive line. Now, the Dolphins don't have that problem, but it is kind of relevant with the uh, Raekwon Davis observation and question that I have for this offseason. You could parlay that and look at Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia drafted a player specifically in mind to fill that exact role to execute the same kinds of principles, but really their defensive tackle depth uh, against the run was a problem all year. It's the reason why they signed Linval Joseph and Adamakan Sue at the midseason point. They incurred an injury on the defensive line. They're kind of looking at their group. They say, man, we, we really don't have enough here to defend the run in light box counts. So Linval Joseph and Adamakan Sue were bigger body guys who could fall back off of blocks and, and win with leverage. And the Green Bay Packers with Joe Barry uh, for a number of years ran the, have run this defense. Uh, I think the biggest thing that hurt the Packers the last two seasons was they missed explosiveness on the edge. And I think that's where you think about Bradley Chubb and you think about Jalen Phillips and some of the other opportunities that are there with what the Dolphins have from a personnel standpoint. Well, two years ago, the Packers didn't have Zadarius Smith for the vast majority of the season. It hurt them. Well, they, they had Rayshon Gary that had a big breakout year and, and Preston Smith was solid for the team. But they, they, they missed Zadarius Smith and his versatility. And then this past year, Rayshon Gary got hurt missed the back half of the season, and they missed that explosiveness. And Zadarius Smith was over in Minnesota and was back to his healthy self playing for Ed Donatel, who's running the same exact defense and was a freaking monster this year. So you got to have dudes up front. 
That's the point, point blank, blank period. This defense, you have to have dudes up front. I think the Dolphins have it. I, I genuinely do. You need backers. You might need a nose that's a little bit better at leveraging the fallback off of blocks and has a little bit more explosiveness in his frame. I think Raekwon's a little bit more of a raw power guy. Certainly has a role to play. I don't know that he's your preferred starter in this defense. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I have is the Achilles heel. As we, we talked about what teams that have tried to run this have struggled with the most and the commonality with teams that have gotten after this kinds of, of, of defense is teams that can effectively run the ball in 11 personnel while spreading the field, while spreading the field. That's very important because if you're going to run condensed sets like Sean McVay did, everything is kind of naturally bottlenecked in. And if you're going to run outside zone out of that, you have these safeties flying from depth that can attack and fit the run because you're, you're naturally playing into what they want to do. They don't want to box you in and get you trapped in the box. They want you to have to bounce everything. And we're gonna, our athletes are going to chase you down and tackle you going to the perimeter and playing sideline side to sideline is an ineffective run. It's an inefficient play call from a play calling standpoint in today's NFL. Couple teams on the schedule for the Dolphins this year to be mindful of. Teams that have run a high frequency of 11 personnel and were in the top 10 in rushing offense from a raw rushing output. Now, not all of them are a one for one, and not all of them are, are very exact. Baltimore's obviously on this list. They have a new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, from, from the Georgia Bulldogs. It'd be fascinating. We don't have Greg Roman here anymore. So you would expect there's probably going to be less 12 and 22 personnel calls. The Ravens were in 22 personnel, 45% of their first down calls in, in 2022. 45% of their time in 22. It's unheard of. That would play into this defense because you would get your three sight or you would get your roll luggage calls to be able to prompt and push that safety down into the box to serve as that extra player while still playing a two-high shell. The challenge with Baltimore, and it's a common theme with three of the four teams that I have written down here, is the quarterback gives you a plus one in the run game. Because the quarterback is a, an extra body you have to account for, which means you need to be plus one in general, what you would usually be if you were playing a statue at quarterback, because you don't have to account for the quarterback being the runner of the football and having the running back as an extra blocker. So that is a team who has the potential, especially if Lamar Jackson is back. We don't know that for sure either. But Baltimore is a team that has potential to challenge the core principles of this defense in 2022 or in 2023 that is on the Dolphins' schedule. Philadelphia Eagles, same thing. They also have a new offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen was hired by the Indianapolis Colts to be their head coach. They have the ability to run the ball in 11 personnel. They were in 11 personnel on first down 72% of the time in 2022. 72 large number. They were fifth in raw rushing output. They also have a quarterback that gets you plus one in the run game. Oh, by the way, then they have A.J. Brown and they have uh, Devontae Smith. And they have one of the best offensive lines in football. Jordan Maitala, we'll see what happens with Isaac Ciamalo, who is said to be a free agent. Landon Dickerson, we'll see what happens with Jason Kelsey if he retires. They drafted Cam Jurgens in the second round to replace him last year. And then they have Lane Johnson, one of the best tackles in football. It's a team from a matchup perspective is built in a way to engineer and give you problems. And oh, by the way, they ran the scheme last year, so they practiced against it every day of practice. That's going to be a tough one. Dallas, 
Also a new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, relieved of his duties. Kellen Moore is now with the Chargers. Uh, but Dallas had a top 10 rushing offense. Uh, they were pretty even. They were only in 11 personnel on first down 50% of the time. Uh, but they're a team that is on the schedule that has a very effective running game. We'll see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Pollard's an expiring contract. I don't think they're a shoe in. Right now, of the three that we've mentioned, Philadelphia is the shoe in. Oh, boy, that could be a problem. And then the Buffalo Bills. Ninth in rushing output and raw rushing yardage in 2022. They had the seventh highest incidence of first down 11 personnel tendencies. They are a spread the field offense. They are very much a spread offense. Now, they, they, got, they dabbled more this year without Brian Dable. They were a little bit more of a true... Um, they weren't the true spread team that they'd been. You saw more two tight end usage. You saw players like Morris. They, they get two backs on the field at the same time. But they were plus one in the run game because of Josh Allen. Now, they don't have the offensive line that Philly does. They don't have the offensive line of any of the other three teams. So I think that's what you have going for you. But just, just earmarking those teams as teams from a raw rushing yardage perspective that have potential to pose problems with their incidences of 11 personnel or having quarterbacks that can get you the need to be an additional plus one in the run game. Those are the, the five games, I guess, that I've technically identified as, as the ones that could test the core principles the most. Now, what the Dolphins do from a personnel standpoint between now and the end of the year, or the start of the year, I should say, that's really going to dictate how well-equipped they are to handle all comers in all phases. I can't wait. I'm super excited. But that's this, this Vic Fangio defense. So zone pattern matching, uh, quarter, quarter, half concepts. Uh, they have a couple different ways that they will challenge big-time receivers in the run game. They're going to play light box counts, but the mechanics of why they're calling it, how it works, how it complements what they do on the back end, it's all very important. And remember, the safeties are the weapons, and they play chess, not checkers in the secondary, as compared to the Dolphins' defenses of the past have played chess, not checkers in the front. Those are the differences. That is what we should expect. It's going to be a very new experience watching this defense. I look forward to diving into all of that with you. So hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. Appreciate you checking out the show. Make it a great day, and I'll talk with you all again tomorrow.